Well, thank you for... Thank you for bringing the church into this room with you. I'm really glad that we can all be here together. Parents, kids, students, everyone hanging out, families together. We're going to be talking today, and this, the things that I'm going to talk about aren't just for the older people in the room. And if you're over like 10, I'm calling you older for the rest of the day, so just get used to it and don't worry about it. it it's not just for them, it's for everybody. So I've got some stuff that goes along with it. Today we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, Peter Pan and the parts of the Bible that are a lot like Peter Pan. So if you're a kid, how many of you guys know who Peter Pan is? If you're an adult, how many of you know who Peter Pan is? There you go, big kids. So most people have heard of Peter Pan, and we've heard of Peter Pan because there are a whole bunch of ways this story has been retold over and over and over again. Maybe when you were growing up, you had a book, and it had this fairy tale story in there about Peter Pan and his adventures, and you grew up on that. Or maybe you grew up on... The Disney ride, Peter Pan, right? How many people in here have been on the Disney ride, Peter Pan? It is awesome. It has been there, and they don't really change a whole lot about it since I was a little kid, and it's still there now. But you get to go on this flying ship, and you get to see Indians, and you get to see pirates, and you get to see that TikTok croc always trying to eat Captain Hook, and it's awesome. Maybe you grew up on that version of Peter Pan. Or maybe you grew up on one of the movies. There have been movies made over and over and over. Every generation seems to get its own Peter Pan Movie. The first one was in 1922, and every generation since gets a good Peter Pan movie. And maybe you grew up on those. And so we're going to be looking at today this Peter Pan story, because there's also this part of the Bible where Jesus taught his followers that to follow him, they had to do something that Peter Pan had to do as well. To follow Jesus well, he taught his disciples that they had to never grow up. And so we're going to look at that part together. If you would, you have your bulletins, or if you have a Bible with you, or if you have a Bible app on your phone, go ahead and pull that out. I will put down this sword while we read, so you don't feel threatened. So it's in Matthew 18 is where we're going to be looking today. And it says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. But if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of such things that cause people to sin. Such things must come, but woe to the man through whom they come. If your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to enter a life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. See that you do not look down on one of these little ones, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hills and go off to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he is happier about that one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be lost. Let's pray together. 
God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are just as comfortable talking to adults, talking to children, that when you taught, little kids were running around and crying and screaming, and that you engaged all of them. So we pray that you would teach us through this, these words today. I pray that you would help each person to hear exactly what you want to say to them. I don't think anyone is here by accident. We ask these things in your name. Amen. So this is what I call the pan passage of the Bible. If you want to remember it that way, just write it down in the margins of your Bible. It's okay to write in there. And it will help you remember that this is where Jesus told a bunch of adults to never grow up. The pan that I grew up with was one of the movies. It was Hook. Anybody ever seen Hook? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a generational thing right there. It was Hook, this movie with Robin Williams. And Hook is a little bit different than the other stories of Peter Pan because usually Peter Pan is a little boy and he's going around and doing all these big adventures with other uh, people around him. But in Hook, the story is kind of different. In Hook, there's always this tension because Peter Pan in Hook is grown up. He's old. And he's already got kids, and he's already got a family, and somehow he has forgotten the fact that he is Peter Pan until this big adventure begins, until his kids are taken by Captain Hook, and people start to explain that something has been lost. He's lost something by growing up. He has to regain what he's lost in order to be all that he can be, but more importantly, in order to be all that others need him to be. And there's a scene from this movie where he has no idea that he's Pan. Everybody else doesn't believe that he's Pan. But there's this one kid, and this kid looks at him, and the kid can see something just beyond what everyone else can see. So let's check this out. Can't fly, bite, or crow. So, if any of you said this here skug ain't Peter Pan... Cross the line. Hi. What? Be right back. What? You are embarrassing me. Oh, there you are, Peter. 
never to grow old. Peter? His nose got real big. Well, welcome back to Neverland, Panda Man. So in this part of the movie, something's been lost. But this one kid sees and calls it out. And he starts to call out something that even Pan himself had forgotten. And that's where the disciples are in this moment. Something's been lost and it must be, be regained. But they don't even know that they've lost it. And we can see that if we start back at verse 1. And it says, At that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked them, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? The disciples are posturing for position. They're asking, who's the best? Is it me? Is it him? Is it him? Is it him? And they do this all the time throughout the Gospels. They ask the question, who is the greatest? And why do they ask this? In this passage, Jesus has just come back from hanging out with Peter. Peter and Jesus go through these adventures. They kind of run away from the law in a, in a little bit of a way. They go on this fishing trip. And then this one part is really crazy. Peter's like, how do we pay our taxes? We don't have any money. And Jesus is like, this one fish that we're going we're gonna to catch, he's going to be full of gold. Stick your hand in his mouth, take the gold out, and pay your taxes. And kids are like, what? That stuff is in the Bible. What Bible are you reading? That's not in my Bible. The Bible is a story of big adventures. And for you parents and adults in here who are like, what? That's in the Bible? Tax season is coming up, and he can fill fish with gold, and I can just take it out? I'm going to be praying for a miracle when I get home. <laughs> But Jesus has just come back from this time with Peter, one-on-one -on -one time, and the other disciples look around and they say, hey, is he, the, is he the greatest? Is he your favorite? Because I thought we were all equal in this, but who, who is the greatest? And the disciples are missing it at that point. And so Jesus is going to teach them something through an unlikely person in their midst. It's in uh, verse 2. He called a little, child, a little child to him to stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. The question is, am I the greatest? And Jesus' answer is, to become the greatest, you must become the least. But what is it about this child specifically that he's calling out? Because we talk about faith like a child a lot, but sometimes that's just kind of general and doesn't really have much meaning to it. So what is it about this kid's faith that he's calling out? He says, change, become like a child, humble yourself like a child. The same story is told also in Luke and in Mark, two of the other Gospels, and they both use the word receive. Mark says, Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. So what is the faith of this child that is the lesson? First, let's start with the child himself or herself. The, the word here for the child is a very specific word. We take it as just kind of general. It might be some kid that's between age zero and age 18, right? A kid. But this word is very specific. It's this Greek word, pahidion, and it means a little baby or a toddler. It's the word that's used about Jesus throughout the story of his birth and his infancy. So it's this, this little teeny tiny baby. This is Hannah's. My kids are both in the service today, so they're going to see their toys, and they're going to be like, what? Hannah, you see baby Chloe? So it's a little teeny tiny baby. They talk about uh, Herod would search for the pahidion, this little 
tiny baby. The star rested over the place where this little tiny baby was born. The angel told Joseph it was time and it was safe to bring the little tiny child back because it was now safe for him. Throughout this period, Jesus is always called the Pahedion. But then when Jesus comes back on the scene, it kind of skips to about age 12 in his life. And at that time, he's no longer called this term for the little tiny child. Instead, he's just called the boy at that point. He's grown up. So this child is a little tiny child, maybe a baby, but most likely it's a toddler because it says that Jesus called him and asked the child to stand next to him. So you've got this little toddler standing by Jesus's legs. You've got to get this picture in your mind. There's actually a kid standing there with Jesus. So what's unique about this little toddler? Why does Jesus use this child? Well, I'm well acquainted with kids. I've got Judah, who is five years old. I'm going to put a picture up. Sorry, Judah. He's going to be excited about it. This is actually an old picture. I wanted them when they were teeny tiny. They're a little bit bigger than this now, but that's Judah on the left, and that's Hannah when she was still a baby on the right-hand side. Judah's five years old now. Hannah is now uh, almost three. In just a few days, she'll be three. So these little kids, I've been hanging out with them now for over five years, and so I know a lot about little kids. And so I started to think, why would Jesus give the example of a little toddler to all of these grown men and women to say you need to become like them. So there are some things that I know about kids just from hanging out with my kids a lot. Number one, little children expect that someone else will meet their needs, right? No little kid is like, hey man, do we have the finances to make it to the end of the month? They don't care. They just hold their hand out and they're like, food? You got some food? Good. Okay, everything is good, right? They expect that all their needs will be met, Unless, the second thing that you can learn about little kids is unless their parents are terrible parents, little children trust their parents. They look to their parents and they say, hey, whatever you're doing, I trust that it's going to be good for me. The third thing is that little children, and we're not talking about older kids, we're not talking about middle school because by then some of this stuff doesn't apply as much anymore. They're becoming adults at that point. But little children have no aspirations of being the greatest. They could care Less. Little children care about things like being loved. They demand time. They demand provision. All the things that kids need. But to be the greatest, who cares? Because little children expect that their needs will be taken care of by someone greater than them. And if I am with someone who is great and can meet my needs, I don't need to be the greatest. I can stand behind that one's leg. If you ever see a little kid, they always like to stand behind their dad or their mom's leg. Whenever they get nervous, right, I'm going to be protected. I'm going to be cared for. This one is greater than I am, and I can hide behind them. So who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? The disciples ask a question that it's kind of ironic because every kid knows the answer to that question. Kids, when you get to heaven, who will be the greatest in heaven? Yell it out. You can yell it out. Who will be the greatest in heaven? God. The disciples should have known that. They come and they ask the question, who will be the greatest in heaven? They should have already known the answer. Every little kid knows the answer. But the disciples had started to lose sight of who the greatest was. They wanted it to be Peter, James, John. They wanted to be the greatest. The greatest is God. And to forget that is to step out from behind the Father's leg and to try and stand up on your own, which you can try but you won't be able to do it very long. We all try it sometimes. You do it, I do it. Something bad at work, 
uh, something bad at work happens and your first thought is, how can I fix this? There are kids in your class at school who are being bullied about the way they look, how smart they are because they don't fit everyone else's image. And your first thought is, that's not my problem. Someone you love is sick and your first thought is, they need me with them. Your marriage is falling apart and your first thought is, there's nothing I can do. The call to become like a child is to take the I, the me, the my out of your first response. It's to return to your posture as a child of the God of the whole universe instead of trying to be your own God. Because you can try to live on your, as your own God for a while, but eventually you'll get to a point where that will fall apart and you'll once again remember that there has to be someone bigger than you standing up for you. It's to loosen your grip on the things you think you control. So an example um, is this ship right here. Judah, my five-year-old, built this ship. He's a little crazy with Legos. If you need help with Legos, any of you adults who can't figure them out, ask him, because he helps me all the time. So he built this ship, and as he was building this ship, uh, he is very particular. He likes to build by the instructions. I never built anything out of Legos by the instructions until I was working with Judah, and he was like, hey, like follow the instructions or get out. So he builds by the instructions, and he got this ship, he saved up his money, and Legos are expensive, like 100 bucks for a ship. He saved up his money for a long time, and he's like, I'm gonna go buy a ship. So he went and he picked this one out, he takes it home, he takes out all the pieces, he organizes them on his Lego table, and he starts to put it together. And I'm like, Judah, you want my help? And he's like, no, 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 not on this one, like, go away. <laughs> and so he starts to put this ship together, and he gets to kind of this part right here where he's built the base of the ship, he doesn't have the mast or anything on it yet, but he's built the base of the ship, and I walk in and I see it, and one side is perfect. He's got all the cannons and everything. But the other side, he can't get the, the front part to fit because the other side is like one piece off. And Legos have tons of pieces. So it's one piece off and everything is a little too far forward so the pieces won't line up. And there was a point where although he was doing it by himself, he said, Dad, this doesn't work. And so I said, Judah, I can see where the mistake was and we've got to go back. We've got to take it apart. I said, Judah, do you trust me? And he gets kind of like, don't take apart my ship. You can't, you're destroying it. What are you doing? And I said, Judah, do you know I care about you? Do you trust me? Do you know I love you? Do you trust me? Do you know I care about this ship? It's going to be awesome. Do you trust me? Do you know I want us to finish this ship? Us. See, I included myself so I could say that I built this. But, you know, do you trust me? And he had to get to the point where he not only said yes, because saying yes doesn't mean anything. Saying yes, he could still be holding onto this ship and say, yes, I trust you, but the problem would never be solved. He had to get to the point where he said, yes, Dad, I trust you. And he held out the ship, and he let me take apart the side that was messed up, and then we could rebuild it together. And there's a lot that you can learn from that. If you're asking, man, why are there kids in this service? Man, why did Jesus use children to teach me about faith? There's a lot you can learn in that. The faith of a child is not in word, it's in action. To hand the ship back over to the father who loves you like crazy. It's to hand your marriage back over to the father with open hands and say, God, I trust you. 
It's to hand your reputation at school over to the Father and say, God, I trust you. It's to hand your Sabbath, your tithe, your job, your security, all the things that you've worked for, maybe it's to hand your kids back over to the Father and to say, God, I trust you. I trust that you will take these things and care for them. So now we're going to, this sermon is going to be split into two parts. This talk is split into two parts. So that's the first part, and that's the part that most people get when they read this talk that Jesus gives. But there's another part, and I want us to look at it. But first, I want us to take some time and think about this idea of open hands, loosening your grip on the things that you're holding on to so tightly. So we're going to sing a song together. And while we sing this song, you can either sing the song along with the band Or you may want to just sit, close your eyes, and pray. And think through the things that you've been holding on to so tightly. You know what they are. I know what mine are. And say, God, these things, I've been trying to keep control, but control is slipping from my hands. Will you take them back? Take these moments to give them back to God. Consider holding your hands open as you pray. Father, not my will, but yours be done. Over my finances, over my family, over my choices, over my friendship. Father, not my will, but yours be done. Let's worship the God who loves us all together.